0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dancing in the Rain with Valerie podcast. Um, this is a voice you're not generally used to hearing on this podcast. Uh, no, this is not Valerie. My name is Jack. I'm generally the guy behind the buttons. Uh, it's a pretty special day for us here at Dancing in the Rain with Valerie. It's our one-year anniversary from our first Woo-hoo! episode. So this this episode, um, pretty much Valerie and I are going to kind of reminisce and go back and discuss the year that was. All right, everybody. So we have with us now the... Um, the host of our podcast, the actual the inspiration, you might say, of Dancing in the Rain with Valerie, we have Valerie Yoswe. Valerie, welcome to your podcast.
1: Thank you for having me <laughs> on my own podcast. I appreciate that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So, so a year ago today, right, um, we sat down in my in my I think in my living room, kind of between my living room and dining room, and um, you started recording your first podcast. Like, describe for us some of the events that led up to that point.
1: Well, I've always wanted to start a podcast, write a book, have a movie um, about the events that have happened in my life and are still happening. Um, But I just, I had the idea, but I wasn't ready. And I knew that when I knew I was ready, it would be very clear to me. It would be Christelle clear. (laughs) drinking cristal yeah. because this is it's a, lifestyles it's of a the celebration rich, lifestyles of the rich and famous in my basement we cannot um, we
0: cannot endorse how this podcast may end it's starting with a bottle of crystal yes
1: yeah very fancy um so this is something i always thought about and i figured a podcast is the quickest way to get my stories and information out there to let people know certain things that I've been through and, you know, with the intention of inspiring them or empowering them. And, um, you helped me set it up, which was awesome. And I re- you know, basically just had to push a button and record and then send it over to you and you would edit. Um, but the interesting part was that I wasn't ready until, um, f- this is exactly five days a year ago, on September 21st, I had my ovaries removed as part of my breast cancer treatment. And then five days later, I just said, I'm ready. Let's do this. Like, so the
0: ovaries are gone and you were ready to Ovaries
1: go. were gone. Greatest thing ever. I Adios just Adios, ovaries. Adios. Over it. <laughs> I was like- I'm, I'm over it. Yet. I'm over it. So um, I felt much more calm and in control of my emotions. And I do talk a lot about a lot of- um, You know very intense topics i talk about death and grief and cancer and uh rape and all kinds of really intense topics and emotional topics and when my ovaries were taken out i just felt very much in control of my emotions and i just knew that that was the moment i just said let's go i'm ready now so it was five days after my last surgery
0: yeah so so i guess i guess let's start right there right at episode one right i I like to call it just start talking Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I kind of knew, I kind of knew once once you started uh, that you just had so much information to get out there, it would just flow. And and with that first podcast, um, I, I think we sat down in my living room, and Paige was there, I was there, you were drinking a twisted tea, I think I was drinking red wine, Page a beer, and um, and you just you just started, you just started talking, and you started telling your story, and um, I, I I I was sitting there in awe and also just happy kind of that we were doing it and uh, how did that feel your, your first podcast like what was what was going through your brain at that point
1: it just felt so um aligned if that makes sense like perfect sense. this yeah. is what i'm supposed to be doing when i'm supposed to be doing it if i did it at any other time that you know i just knew because we would talk about it all the time and i just wasn't ready and you know, like yes, I said, I was
0: bugging her. Start a podcast, right? I, I bought all the gear, I bought everything. I just I was wasn't ready, pictures. and then
1: when I had my ovaries out five days later, I'm like, let's do this. I'm ready. Those and ovaries
0: were holding us back, they I were, never knew that,
1: yeah, know? they needed to go.
0: And, and you know, you were you would just um, with that, it was it's kind of a symbolic, you would just basically come through a phase of your life, you would just really transition right. from. You know, the breast cancer diagnosis and all the the surgeries and the treatments and the. That was another part of it. There's just so much going on in your life at the time.
1: Besides what that specific surgery was and how it um, made me feel afterwards in a good way. But in the bigger picture, it was just the fact that that was, other than the medication I'm on, that was the last phase of my breast cancer treatment. And I really just needed all of that behind me before I started this new you know, adventure in my life, which was starting a podcast and what everything that came along with that. So, um, you know, I had a surgery in May and then I had radiation and then in September had another surgery and just needed all of that behind me. And as soon as that was behind me, I just felt like now I'm ready to move forward. It
0: it was it was like the Hoover Dam crashing down, too, because not only, and we're going to go over all the podcasts, not only did you record that first podcast, but we went four nights straight. Mm -hmm. One, two, three, four were done on September 27th, 28th, 29th and 30th. It was, it was one, two, three, four. I think we recorded on the 26th and we released it on the 27th, something like that. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, you had a lot to say. Mm -hmm. And those first four episodes, um, you know, while very raw, because yeah, I don't know what the heck I'm doing folks. Um, we're so informative and so giving to people, and and I knew right away that we just had to have people listen. Yeah, you know, people listen, and and what I feel about the the podcast so far, you know, we've had, I think we have like uh, like fifteen hundred listens so far, or whatever in a year. I don't even know what the number is, but what I think about it is, is we have them in the bank. They're there. They're going to exist. They're timeless. Mm-hmm. The information while it might not be a week after your, or four or five days after your surgery, the information is timeless. Anyone right. can go back at any given time and listen to a Dancing in the Rain with Valerie" podcast, um, especially, you know, on a specific subject, and and they're timeless. The, the information still holds up, and, and it's good mm-hmm. information. So, so, you introduced the, um, in the first episode, you introduced the idea of quotes, and I, I guess we should tell the people that this whole podcast and, and and website and YouTube channel and everything Valerie, everything Dancing in the Rain of Valerie is based off a quote. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because as long as I've known you, this quote's actually been, what do you call it, decaled on your wall of yeah. your home, I guess?
1: In my dining room, in my bathroom, yeah. <laughs> everywhere.
0: It's a quote by Vivian Green that yes. a lot of people have heard. And you want to say the quote? or
1: Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain.
0: It- Ah, It just gets me because it it makes so much sense.
1: And for me, it's literal dancing. (laughs) Um, But for everybody has their thing that gets them through grief and trauma. Mm -hmm. And I tell people this all the time. And I think the important thing to remember is that, you know, there's things that we like like I like going to the gym and I like doing a lot of things, but I love dancing and that's on a soul level. So when I talk to people, you know, I've talked to several people even recently and they said, you know, I, I lost somebody very close to me and I just went to the gym because I had to, you know, move my body and process the grief. And um, I said, but do you love going to the gym? And they said, no, I like it. It's just, You know, I just needed to do something. And I'm like, but what do you love to do? Like, what does your soul love to do? And sometimes they say singing or art or whatever it may be. Everybody has a thing that's on a soul level, and that's really what you have to do. Um, So, again, for me, it's dancing in the rain. And I just want people to understand I'm not telling everybody to, you know, actually literally dance. For you, it could be painting or it could be a million different things. Kind of to be in the podcast. Yeah, we have the cat scratching
0: in the background. <laughs>
1: part of it. You can probably hear the shower. <laughs> cat scratching. It's fine. This yeah. is my life. Um, but I just want people to understand that you know that quote really applies to everybody. It just might not be dancing for you. Um, it could be whatever it is that makes your soul happy and helps you process things and makes you happy.
0: One, one thing I do have to say is, is I, I really can't imagine anybody loving anything as much as you love dancing. I, I truly, I truly just watching you dance and and you, you danced as a child and then you didn't dance for 21 years. Right. And then it just came back into your life and and, and, Amazing! It's it's amazing. Those those who haven't seen um, the YouTube videos on our on our uh, dancing in the rain with our YouTube need to go check it out. It's Girls crazy. got skills. Girls I was, got skills.
1: I was at a show. What show was that? Saturday. Yeah. Um, it's
0: up in Connecticut.
1: And I was talking to a woman, and she saw the point shoes. And the first question everybody asks is, "When did you start dancing? How long have you been doing this?" And I. I'm so used to telling the story. It's kind of like a script at this point. I'm like, I started when I was two. I quit when I was in high school. I was probably 15 or 16 when I quit. I switched over to kickboxing, did not do ballet at all for 21 years. And then when my husband, Mark, and my best friend, Sarah, passed away in 2019, I just knew immediately that I had to go back to ballet and that's what was going to help me get through it. And thank God I did that and listened to the little voice in my head telling me to do that because not only did it get me through 2019 with my husband, my friend, and my grandmother passing away, then it got me through the pandemic and having four children at home for remote learning, which was hell for everybody. And You still taught
0: dancing Zoom. Right. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. I
1: kept dancing the whole time. I would still go to the studio, dance, teach all the kids on Zoom. And then um, after they things were kind of getting back to normal um, and they went back to school, then I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I danced all through my cancer treatment. And it's just, I know moving forward, it's still going to get me through anything and everything that comes up because inevitably things still come up and things still happen, but I had dance back in my life and that's what gets me through everything.
0: So everyone listening, Find something you love the way Valerie loves dance, because it has truly healed this woman and, and she's giving to people through her dance. And everybody really, has truly, something. That's another it's thing. There.
1: You know, everybody has like something. And right. And I, I run into people all the time and I ask them and everybody has an immediate. And cook. I
0: like to cook as well.
1: And a lot of people will yeah. say, I love this, but I haven't done it in so many years. I said, listen, if I can not dance for 21 years and go back on point shoes, then you can do anything. So. Don't ever tell yourself that you're too old or, you know, don't ever tell yourself you can't do something. I tell people all the time, like, I'm the perfect example. I'm like the poster child of anything is possible. I really am. Like, I started modeling when I was 40 years old. I have four kids. I just finished Radiation. You're jumping way too far ahead here. I'm just saying. I'm just saying anything is possible. anything is possible. And, you know, everybody has a thing that they love to do. And... You know, I realize that people sometimes do have actual physical limitations, um, but there's, you know, there's still ways to get around that and to find something maybe associated with that. I know sometimes people can't dance because of, you know, maybe physical things holding them back, but you just have to find something. Pick you up can, a paintbrush. Just anything. There, There's something for everybody. Everybody yeah. I've ever said that to said, yes, this is what is on my soul level. So... Like I said, there's nothing wrong with going to the gym, but if that's not, you know, happy for your soul, it's good for your body. And I love going to the gym, but that's not for my soul. Dancing is for my soul.
0: Actually, with the modeling, I said you jumped ahead and and I'm wrong, actually, because you actually started modeling at the, at the most unique time. You want to describe for people how, how you became a model? And by the way, Valerie is now a very accomplished model. You got to check out her, her Instagram, Valerie Ballerina. Uh,
1: Valerie underscore.
0: Valerie underscore Ballerina. <laughs> and that's V-A-L-A-R-I-E. If you're listening to this, you need to know how to spell her name. Ballerina under, or what is it?
1: Valerie, V-A-L-A-R-I-E underscore Ballerina429.
0: That's a Gmail. Go check that out, and, and you'll you'll see Valerie's um, modeling career in the past year. It, it's been really something to witness. So anyway, you started modeling in so a very unique time.
1: I... Had a double mastectomy with reconstruction on May fifth of last year, and then I had twenty four radiation treatments last summer, and then right after my twenty fourth treatment, I got COVID really really bad. I was pretty much in bed for almost two weeks. It was really rough. And you, and, were,
0: you were going through radiation, so I mean, you're, you had to be. Your body well, it was right after I finished
1: radiation, no, and not really. Yeah, I had my 24th radiation treatment. Yeah, you didn't have you never had your 25th. I know. I had to skip my 25th because I had COVID. And then after that, I there was um a photographer that posted on Instagram that he was offering a free photo shoot so that, you know, he could build his portfolio and the model could build their portfolio. So I reached out and I said, I want to do it. And I brought my point shoes and we took some really beautiful pictures. He loved them. I love them. And then I posted them and it just started evolving from there. I did a shoot with um, a really amazing dance photographer. And then I worked with a photographer that works with him. And I did a breast cancer awareness photo shoot on the bridge, which wound up being on the cover of the Northeast Times, which really meant a lot to me. That was last October for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And then it really just took off from there. Um, and it's been nonstop photo shoots and shows basically for the past year. And it's been an amazing adventure.
0: Yeah, I keep trying to keep up with her photo shoots. It's, it's up to over 50 shoots in the past year and over 40 unique photographers. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's been quite a year. Okay, so basically that was that was episode one. 15 minutes we took for episode one, but that's good. Yeah. So episode two, um, I, I love the name of this one. It's all we have is now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and one thing you said during this episode was how much you, you learned after all the loss you've experienced, how much you've learned to appreciate appreciate everything mm-hmm. on so much of a deeper level. And this is a message I know that, that you, that resonates with you. It's, it's kind of the core of your belief that live for, live for now.
1: Yeah. And, I want everybody to understand that. And sometimes it's just as simple as them hearing the concept of don't dwell on the past and don't worry about the future and just focus on this moment because this moment is all we have. Like literally all we have is now. That's just a fact. And I talk to, it's every single day I talk to at least one person that is dwelling on the past or worrying about the future or both. And I have to tell them Um, just from my experience that I realized, number one, that's just a complete waste of energy. Um, you can't change the past and you can't predict the future. So, you know, as far as dwelling on the past, you know, I always say that let's just talk about grief and loss. When you lose someone, of course, you're going to grieve. You're going to cry. You're going to have to go through your whole process, but I always say, that I believe, I strongly believe that there comes a time when you can make a decision of which way you're going to go. Are you going to continue down this road of, you know, depression and crying and whatever your grief involved? Or are you going to like dig really deep and pull yourself out of it and start doing things that bring you joy and living your life again? And another thing that I always talk about is how grief and joy can coexist. You can be grieving and sad that you lost somebody or that you've been through a traumatic event, but you can also bring joy back into your life at the same time. And then, you know, worrying about the future, it it really, actually, I'm not trying to be funny because I know it's like a serious... (laughs) Topic that we're talking about, but it reminds me, you know, me, like, no,
0: no, no, you know, sadness they humor. go together, I know, can coexist as well, exactly. Yeah. I
1: mean, that's really the bottom line. I was just at a service um, on Saturday, and one minute everybody in the room is crying, and you know, the next minute we're laughing, and it goes back and forth. That's just life, that's how it is. And when my kids went to bereavement camp the summer of 2019. Um, that was a very important lesson that they learned. And they said one minute we were crying and doing bereavement activities. And the next minute we were making s'mores with our friends and laughing. And that's life. It is a freaking roller coaster. It is sad and happy and crazy and everything all at once. It really is. And you just have to go with it and know that it will continue to be that way. Like there's really no such thing as normal Um, you have to go with the flow. I mean, I want
0: to be involved with anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not
0: saying you're not saying don't grieve. I mean, grieving. Well, that's what I want people
1: to understand. It's not like, you know, Mark and Sarah passed away, and then I was like, oh, I'm just going to do ballet. And no, there was a very dark time where I would, you know, sleep a lot. I needed to sleep and cry a lot, and that lasted for a couple months. And then after that, I just said, I don't want to do this anymore. And, you know, you, on some level you grieve forever, you will never stop missing the people that you lost, but you have to pick yourself up and you have to continue on. And so that part is about not dwelling on the past. Um, and by dwelling, I just mean you, you have to move forward in your life at some point. And we always remember our loved ones and, you know, we always miss them and we always honor them. Um, but they
0: would want us to live our lives. Totally. And yeah. as because far they're as, living a life that we don't even have any idea about. Right. now. Right. And, uh, and then
1: dwelling on, you know, worrying about the one? future is completely pointless. <laughs> um, and that's a hard concept to get used to. It's very easy to worry about things that are happening tomorrow or the next day or next week or next year or 10 years from now, but there's really no point. So what I'm saying is after all of my, you know, the, I'm just being honest, traumatic experiences, what I've realized is that this moment is so precious and this is really all we have. um, And this is what we have to focus on. There's nothing wrong with planning. Obviously, you have to plan for things and, um, you know, you have to sometimes plan for things. I'm not saying don't schedule anything or like that, but I mean, don't worry about something that hasn't happened yet. A lot of times we worry about things and then they don't even turn out with what we thought was going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. You might think the worst case scenario, Oh my God, I have this thing tomorrow and I'm so worried that this, this, and this is going to happen. And then the next day comes and that doesn't even happen.
0: So there's also, there's also that if you, if you take your energy and put it towards the bad that's going to happen then you're kind of more likely to see that happen. Um, A lot of what I see you do is, is, it, the energy you put out into the world is for a positive result. And and I, I just see so much value. But in even
1: if the negative thing does happen, you will get through it, yep. but there's no point to worry about it until it happens. So I talked to somebody recently and she's very concerned about something that's coming up, you know, this weekend. And I just said, please just try your best to not worry about it because you're just using your precious energy to worry about something that's several days away. And the worst case scenario might not happen and if it does you'll get through it
0: there you go okay I'm up, I'm so the next episode episode three um again this is on the third day and you had so much information to get out there. And, uh, I, the name of this episode pretty much says it all. It's this episode could save your life. And, um, in this episode, you talk an awful lot about advocating for your health. You, uh, you go through Mark's story initially, which is, which is so touching. And then you, you share a little bit at the end, um, about your own story, which you, you expound upon later in some later episodes. You, would you like to talk about, um, I guess, basically mark and 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 how he came came to discover that he had cancer you know i mean it sucks but i mean how it came to be because it's such a normal thing that we all have in our lives and uh i want you to share kind of what mark dealt with and and how that went
1: well i was just explaining to someone the other day that the reason i started a podcast the reason i want to write a book the reason i want there to be a movie or a, a show. TV show,
0: Netflix. Netflix, <laughs> are you listening?
1: Netflix. Um, Netflix or bust? <laughs> um, the really the reason behind all of it, but let's just focus on the podcast because that's what we're talking about is that the reason I talk about Mark's cancer story, my cancer story, rape, grief, all of those things is because I've already experienced it and i can turn that into a positive thing it can be healing for myself and other people because i'm talking about personal things that i've been through and i can i don't want to say like share my wisdom or anything but kind of your experience you yeah share i your mean story right this and whole thing is about
0: sharing your story
1: so as far as mark's story um we never knew uh we were never told I had no idea that acid reflux over time can lead to a condition called Barrett's esophagus which eventually leads to can lead to esophageal cancer and once it's advanced and you know spread it can kill you and it will kill you
0: Well it, it yeah it, so, it kills many people
1: Right. So uh, the So specific, acid reflux,
0: we we almost all, almost everyone listening to this podcast knows somebody who has acid reflux.
1: Or has had it at some point. Yeah. And the bottom line is, I'm not trying to freak everybody out if you've ever had acid reflux, but once in a while, it's not a big deal. But if you've had it for several weeks or several months, you definitely need to- If it's chronic. Talk to, um, but chronic, it doesn't mean years. It it honestly just means a couple months. Right, um, right. So you need to find a GI doctor, a GI specialist, and um, you can have a scope done and they can find things early. And if you find it early, it can definitely be treated. Um, but my husband, Mark, really just thought that that was, you know, it's acid reflux. He took Tums and Prilosec and he didn't really think that it was he a big... He kind of tried to tough mean, it out, basically. He didn't know it could kill him because nobody ever told us that. So after having acid reflux for, I don't know, about 15 years, his symptoms started to get more severe. He started to have really intense chest pain. He thought it was a hiatal hernia. And uh, basically by the time we, you know, went to the hospital and they did a scan, they saw a huge tumor uh, right where his esophagus and his stomach connected. And then he had a PET scan at the cancer center. And then we went upstairs to talk to the oncologist for the first time. And the oncologist just said he was completely mind blown. He said, I can't believe at your age that you have um, cancer in your stomach, your liver, your lymph nodes. It's all over your body. It's definitely stage four. Stage four. Um. And it was that specific type that he had, adenocarcinoma, was caused from acid reflux, from years of acid reflux. So again, because that's something that um, obviously impacted his life and my life, um, I feel that it's my responsibility, like my duty to spread the simple message that acid reflux can lead to esophageal cancer and it can kill you. And... Since I started spreading that message, I have had countless amounts of people, friends, people I don't even know, message me and say, because of you, I want to get a scope done. And uh, luckily, most of those people, I don't think anybody has found Barrett's esophagus or cancer, but they have found other things that need to be taken care of. So really, it just comes back to advocating for your health. And
0: So, so what is it What is it that somebody should do if they have chronic acid reflux? And chronic, again, is is basically... Several days or, or a few weeks. It's really of you, like a couple months. You know, if you months. have chronic acid reflux, right? If it's, if it's, if it's one night because you set. ate
1: something spicy or right. something, that's not a big deal. But it's, if not if it's
0: about burritos. It's about if it's a, a going on condition.
1: and on for weeks and months, you need to see a GI specialist immediately. Um
0: I, what what, does, what should they ask for? Just a scope, an upper di scope, I guess. I or? would
1: just definitely ask for a scope, and this comes back to advocating for your health because, you know every doctor is different. And there may be doctors that say, okay, you're right. Yeah, you need a scope. But that there are always going to be those other doctors that say like, you're fine. It's not a big deal. It's just wait and see. But I'm here to tell you that my husband died at 41 years old, and we have four children. And he died because he had, you know, acid reflux. reflux. So um, if I could help one person, uh, then it would all be worth it. So Advocating for your health if you have if you know that you have an issue with acid reflux and you're concerned, go to the doctor and if they say we'll just wait and see just say you have to insist no I need a scope done
0: now, now in this episode you also talk a little bit about your story which we're, we're going to expand upon in a couple of later episodes once we get to October but um, you as well had to advocate for your health because they, they kind of were pushing you off and and you just you know, I mean, Mark died from cancer and you you had some questions that needed to be answered. And people just, you know, kept saying, we'll wait and see what happens. I mean, you know, just the idea of advocating for your health is such a it's huge, huge. Yeah. huge part of your life. So that important. um you because know,
1: it can save your life. I mean, nobody
0: knows your body like you. That's, right. that's what you said in that episode, exactly. I believe. And nobody knows your body like you. So if you have a question, ask it. And, and um, you know, you'll know when you get the answer that you're looking for
1: definitely um so for me i i think it was yeah it was 6 months after mark passed yeah. away i felt a lump i was just in the shower and i felt a lump in my right breast so i immediately like the next day rushed to my gynecologist's office she felt it and she said i am 99.9% sure it's a cyst but you should definitely get it checked out um i had a mammogram done they put me back in the waiting room. They called me back for another mammogram. They pulled me into a room. They said, it's not a cyst. You have to have a biopsy. I had the biopsy done. They called me and said it was fibroadenoma, which is non-cancerous, which was obviously a huge relief. Um, but from that point forward, they were kind of keeping an eye on me because I also had calcifications th- like throughout both of my breasts that they were you know, keeping an eye on. So um i'm trying to think of how i even how did that even start i don't even remember um because that was a fibroadenoma yeah and that was
0: probably like uh september of 2019 or something like that around that time i would think and it, it kind of you know they kept the oh of i think
1: it i went a for a follow-up mammogram and they saw something and they were like yeah you have calcifications You know, throughout both of your breasts, they said, we just keep an eye on these. We usually just keep an eye on these. And I'm like, okay, here's the thing. I just lost my husband to cancer and I have four kids and I am their only living parent. So I can't keep an eye on anything. So I insisted on having an MRI and they said, well, we think that's kind of extreme, but okay, if you want the MRI, we'll do it. And, um, just because of COVID and a bunch of other things that happened, um, the the MRI took a very long time to get, but when I finally did get it, um, they called me immediately and they said, we see something, you have to have another biopsy. And then that biopsy came back early March of last year. And it was invasive ductal carcinoma, which is breast cancer. So the thing I always think about is if I did not insist on the MRI, I could be dead. They would
0: still be keeping an eye on it. And then you might be, yeah, you I might, might not be, be here by now. You might not be here Right. By now.
1: So listen to your intuition, listen to your gut, listen to your body. And everything in my being was telling me to insist on that MRI. I didn't care what they said.
0: Advocate for your health.
1: Yeah, 100%. Because
0: the insurance companies certainly won't. Okay, so episode number four. Um, it's one of my favorite episode pictures, by the way. If you go on uh, Spotify and check it out, it's, it's a very um, apt picture for this episode. It's life after def- life after trauma, recorded on day four. Again, four the first four episodes are four days in a row. And and you said something in this episode that really gets me. It, it's it's um you know there's a lot of Valerie quotes out there. One of these days, I'm going to go start pulling them <laughs> off. You said shit happens. And we can make a conscious decision to not let it define us or lose our sense of self because of it. And, 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 you know, if, if you're living, you've experienced trauma Mm -hmm. and, and this is just your way of this episode was your way of telling people to that, you know, grief and joy can coexist, you know, let trauma, let trauma refine you, not define you there. There was so much great information in this one little short episode um, that I, I thought, and and by the way, you also got rid of your um, lip smack in this episode. That's
1: other, good. That was really annoying. That she was
0: doing, but <laughs> <laughs>
1: sorry. Live and learn.
0: Yeah, for everybody so that had now. to
1: listen to that. that was But very um, speak about
0: you know that that message: life after trauma, and 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 you know, understanding the trauma and 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 making it part of who you are. You know, and and how you move forward.
1: So the first thing is that. We are having this human experience and no one, I can't imagine anybody getting through this human experience. I don't think it's possible without trauma. I mean, it is just part of it. Um, Sickness and loss and traumatic events are just part of life for everybody. You know, there are different levels, but this is not any type of competition. So there's no comparing Um, trauma is trauma. And You know, I think it's very natural for anybody to think, oh my God, you know, this event happened to me. My life will never be the same. I will never be the same. And on a certain level, that's true. But what I want people to understand is you won't be the same, but it doesn't have to be a negative thing. You will be different, but it can be in a positive way if you decide to make it that for yourself. So instead of thinking, I'm damaged, I'm depressed, I'm traumatized, I'm this, this, and this, if you turn it into a positive and just say that made me more resilient and, you know, stronger and you know, all of those things it can make you it can propel you forward in life. I, I like the term using, Uh, The pain for fuel. Um, You know, painful things happen, traumatic things happen, but instead of letting it crush you and bring you down, because that is not going to serve any purpose in your life, there's absolutely nothing good that can come of just shutting down. And, you know, like I said, there has to be a time to grieve. But then when you come to that decision time, if you really dig deep, you can turn those traumatic events actually into your favor, which I know can sound crazy. um, But it's true. And a lot of times, it's very hard for people to understand when I tell them that this is the happiest I've ever been in my life. And I I see that. And I get why that's confusing, because they're thinking you've lost, you know, your husband and your friend and both of your grandmoms and so countless amounts of friends and my dad. I mean, it goes on and on. But because I've experienced so many losses and had cancer myself and I am a rape survivor and I've been through some really intense traumatic things but what I've realized is that I have I've survived it I'm thriving after it I overcame it and I want my message to inspire other people especially women that you know we do go through a lot of things but it goes back to my whole wonder woman thing like you can get through this and if you if you really just put the i don't want to say the effort but if you just make a conscious decision that i will get through this then you will you will wonder get woman's
0: through. episode 10 by the way so i know i'm just yeah. saying
1: you will get through get it the wonder woman. but you have to just tell yourself you have to plant that seed do it right now if you're listening to this message just tell yourself you know what Hard things are going to happen. It is inevitable. It's not if they're going to happen. They are going to happen 100%. You don't know when they're going to happen. You don't know what the event or events will be. Hard things, very traumatic things are going to happen. But if you tell yourself right now, I'm going to get through that and I'm going to get through anything and everything that life throws at me, then you're just planning this I like to say you're being a warrior mindset instead of a victim mindset. If you put yourself in this victim mindset, life can easily just crush you because it can be rough, but it can also be beautiful.
0: Okay. I think you mentioned a little bit earlier, um, as the month of October came along, you, you kind of participated in a breast cancer awareness photo shoot. Um, you ended up in a, in a, uh, publication, the Northeast times, which was, I think your hometown newspaper when you're growing up, that was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, on October 13th, um, you recorded the first, uh, podcast, um, concerning, we called it bridging the gap between awareness and action. And, um, and in, in this episode, you pretty much, you kind of touched on it a little bit in the, in the this episode could save your life um, podcast, mm-hmm. but you went a little deeper into how you discovered and and you had, you know, how you, your journey, I'll just cut.
1: Keep talking. Yeah.
0: How, how you came, how you basically came to question. All
1: right. Here's the thing. Yeah. I'm just going to keep it real. Um, so before I was diagnosed with breast cancer, obviously we all see the pink ribbon and the Susan B. Komen, you know, all these walks around Cooper river and everybody's wearing pink tutus and all these things. And I'm not going to lie. I, because I never had any experience with breast cancer and didn't know anything about it. I live right near Cooper River, and I would think, oh, that's so cute. Like, they're wearing pink tutus, and everybody's wearing pink, and that's so cute. Um, I didn't really put much thought into it because I didn't have any experience with breast cancer. Nobody that, you know, was close to me ever had it. It I never had it. It wasn't personal. So just in a general sense, I just thought, well, I know October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and it's a pink ribbon, and everybody wears pink, and that was that. After I was diagnosed with breast cancer and went through breast cancer treatment, I looked at it in a completely different way. And what I realized was that, number one, there are no messages um, being put out there. It's just, it's October. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. The pink ribbon is the symbol. Wear pink for breast cancer awareness. There's no message that will help people help women with early detection or prevention to save lives. There are absolutely no messages. And I really became hyper aware of merchandise I would see in stores. I would go into a store and there would be a little section for October for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I was reading every single message, whether it was on a t-shirt or stickers or whatever it may be. And what I realized is that the messages on there were only appropriate and geared towards women that were either going through breast cancer treatment or you know were already finished their breast cancer treatment for example fight like a girl i'm not against it i have a shirt that says fight like a girl it has pink boxing gloves on it but that's because i went through breast cancer treatment that doesn't make any sense for somebody who doesn't have breast cancer For somebody, what can you do? That's not helping anybody prevent or catch, you know, breast cancer early. That's just saying if you have breast cancer already, fight like a girl, pink boxing gloves. I get it. But my whole thing was that's not helping anybody because the people that already have breast cancer or had it, they've already been through that journey. We really have to help. The the whole key to saving lives is early detection or prevention.
0: So you came up with a thing,
1: right? So the thing it came up <laughs> with was GEM, G E M, and the G is for genetic testing. And I actually do have a gene mutation. I have an ATM gene mutation, which does cause early onset breast cancer. Now you
0: discovered this through your your actual testing, going through treatments and everything like that, that you have a genetic mutation, right? Okay. Um, what do, what does it uh, what does it signal? What does it lead towards?
1: So it it causes early onset breast cancer, it can also lead to pancreatic and other cancers. Um, The interesting part is now that I, you know, the more information I get about it and what I try to explain to people is, if I had genetic testing done before being diagnosed with cancer, and they said, yes, you have this ATM gene mutation, which can, you know, you have a much higher chance of developing early onset breast cancer, I would have been given options, Um, you know, some might seem extreme, like I might have been given the option to have a double mastectomy just, you know, to help prevent it.
0: Like Angelina Jolie, basically.
1: Right. Um, Or I could have taken estrogen blocking medication, which I'm on now for the next 10 years as part of my treatment, but I could have taken that before to prevent it from ever happening. Um, So genetic testing is crucial. Um, And not everybody knows their family history. So I really think that you can't base it on that. You can't say, well, I don't, you know, I'm not aware of anybody having breast cancer in my family. Not everybody knows their family history. So I think genetic testing is crucial.
0: And this wasn't offered to you until after you were diagnosed with breast cancer.
1: Right, I mean, people can talk to their doctor and say, I advocate for your health. Because actually my primary doctor did tell me to get genetic testing done and i didn't right um, because you
0: didn't know what it meant or what it could lead towards or actually just, you know what there, there's a there's a certain thing out there and guilty on this end is sometimes people don't want to know what's wrong with them
1: it's not that i don't want to know i guess at the time i just wasn't informed enough and i didn't really see the point of it um but now i do obviously yeah so that's why i'm telling everybody to do it um so that's g so that's the g for genetic testing and then the e is for examining so self breast exams which are so simple to do you know just um and i always tell people if you just literally google self breast exams they show charts and videos of the best way to actually do that to yourself there is kind of a system to it and you want to feel like under your armpits where your lymph nodes are and there's. You know a certain way to do it that's very effective um that being said i mean there's absolutely no reason why women should not do self breast exams because they're free and quick and you could do them every day if you really wanted to and you said
0: this should be done at different times of the month too because your breasts change
1: right um it should be done um a lot of things on social media just to make it simple for people they'll say on the first of every month you should just check your breasts but it is um helpful to check them before during and after your period because your breasts change and you just want to see you might feel a lump but that that might be normal for you and you you know knowing that you're not going to have to rush to your doctor every you develop time a
0: baseline basically
1: you have a baseline mm-hmm. exactly so that being said The cancer, the tumor that I had in my right breast was never able to be felt by myself or my doctor, so it's not going to catch it all the time. But it's still, there's absolutely no excuse to not do them because they are so easy and so simple. You can you know, do them really every day if you really wanted to. Well, you, but
0: you did find a lump, which ended up being a, right. A cyst or, or a calcification, I guess. Right. But a fibroadenoma, a fibroadenoma. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you found the lump, you were actually able to get a mammogram or, or you were kind of almost 40 then at that point, I guess, because you can't get mammograms until you're 40. That's what the insurance companies tell us. I was still 38, 38, but you found the lump so you were able to get a mammogram early which if you had waited till you were 40 right
1: so finding that lump in 2019 was really a blessing because even though that wasn't cancerous that's why i was able to have a mammogram before i turned 40 and that's why they started to you know keep an eye on me and the situation going on with the calcification so i did catch it early enough um So the E is for examining yourself, self-breast exams, which are very important because sometimes people do find their breast cancer that way by feeling a lump. Um, And like you just mentioned, even if you find something and it's not cancer, you can get a mammogram and then they will start to monitor you and keep an eye on you. And then the M is for mammograms. Um, I've had several people, some women that i haven't even seen since elementary school or high school and they said because of you promoting all of this especially during last october for breast cancer awareness month they scheduled their first mammogram and that's what it's all about so um my whole point is that i really you know like jack mentioned the title of the podcast episode was bridging the gap between awareness and action because Awareness is not enough. We are aware that breast cancer and all cancer is just way too common, but there needs to be action and there needs to be a message behind the pink ribbon. It cannot just be about a pink ribbon. Every cancer has a month dedicated to it and a different color ribbon, and that's great because it does bring awareness to it, but there needs to be action behind it. There needs to be a message. And my message is genetic testing, self breast exams and mammograms, Jim, Jim, Jim.
0: Okay, uh, like five days later, that was so that was October thirteenth. Uh, in five days later, I remember you showing up at my apartment uh, with Mario DeSantis. <laughs> we, <Yes. laughs> we had an hour. You. You're like, Oh, my God, I gotta go pick my kids up from dance. Mario has an appointment. We have an hour to put a podcast together. <laughs> So, all right, let's, let's set it up. So we sat down at my dining room table and, and you had your first podcast interview yes. with Mario DeSantis, um, and we called the episode, our broken healthcare system. I, yes. I think everyone listening to this can relate to that. And, uh, Mario at the time was, was running, um, as a, a primary challenger for a, uh, a congressional seat in South Jersey. He did really well, 25%. Thank you. He became a great friend and, and we all tried to best. help mario he mario is, is the
1: best the best
0: so in in this um in this interview with mario He's also
1: been my son's orchestra teacher since fourth grade
0: you you talked a lot about the um you just
1: ignored <laughs> <laughs> did i ignore it i didn't
0: yeah. mean to ignore it i was ahead of myself anyway
1: he's the best
0: he is the best and he's a, he's a brilliant musician and a wonderful yes. man and Follow him to He's going to get there. By the way, he's going to change the world.
1: He's awesome.
0: So you interviewed Mario uh, about our healthcare system and the pitfalls that people run into. And I mean, you ran into this yourself. Yes. When you were trying to, you know, you were, you were, you had a, you had a, um, a, uh, what's it called? <laughs> a mammogram, a mammogram, have... and you had to get an MRI, and just the time frame it took for you. To go from that, okay, suggesting an MRI and to actually getting an MRI, it was like a year. Of course, COVID happened in between, but you had so much time in there and our insurance companies are just are just made to kind of delay our treatment.
1: Mm-hmm. And Mario
0: is a big, big believer in universal healthcare and you guys uh, had a great interview and, and talked about that and it was my um, most challenging podcast editor today. <laughs> <laughs> because of all these stops and curses and whatever. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I was—I thank you for bringing Mario into my life for that interview. And uh, there, there's going to be some great stuff. So just talk about Mario a little bit, I guess.
1: Um, well, Mario has been my son Jaden's orchestra teacher since fourth grade. And he's just an amazing person. And when I found out that he was running for Congress, I just wanted to help him in any way that I could. So we decided to do the podcast episode and, you know, I think we just got as much information out there as we could and we focused on healthcare. Um, and really what it came down to was a lot of people, any it could be a child, it could be an elderly person, they don't have access to what they need. And he shared some of his stories and I shared some of my stories and it really just showed, you know, the problems with our healthcare system.
0: One thing he told me, one thing he said about that in that interview was the uh, the number one age for being diagnosed with cancer is 65.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, the sad reason for that is that's because when everyone is uh, eligible for, for Medicaid mm-hmm. and people just do not treat themselves and, you know, they turn 65, they get Medicaid, they go to the doctor, they find they have cancer and it's a terminal cancer all of a sudden at that point, and, you know. I mean, just the sad fact that, you know, maybe 10 years earlier, if they had good health insurance, like every other civilized nation in this world, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, they could have been diagnosed, treated and and lived a happy life. Instead, people are dying because we we force them to wait for treatment. And, uh, you know, I, I, I grew to know which Maria is, so much of this process, which and, is
1: crazy, because the people that I know that have died from cancer. Mark was 41. Um, the The service that I just went to the other day, he was in his early 40s. Um, a, a friend of mine was, you know, my friend that I just told you about. She was very young. Um, everybody I know, honestly, is in their 30s or 40s when they're diagnosed or when they pass away from cancer. And even myself, like I was, you know, diagnosed. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: 38. Right. So, yeah. Um, that's unacceptable. So
0: we got to change things, people. we got to change things. Okay. So episode, um, end of October, October 28th. And this is the first one you recorded by yourself, by the way, which mm. I was very proud. Go me. You, you bought your own Yeti <laughs> and you sent me all the audio. You said, okay, I just did one. And so, um, it was, it was basically my breast cancer survival story. And, and this is pre- pretty much part two to your first breast cancer. And in this episode, you kind of, reviewed a lot of your treatment options, the mm-hmm. choices you made. You answered a lot of questions that people have and, and you gave a lot of good information out there. Um, you know, one of the, you know, one of the great things that you told people was, Hey, your insurance covers reconstruction,
1: right? You know, you
0: had a full mastectomy and reconstruction at the same time because ladies, the insurance covers that. You need to be right made and as that's a newer thing.
1: Ahead. Uh years ago they did not cover that and now they do, thank God. Um because they should and they do now. Um and that's really important and everybody has a different journey. Um I know women that have had I I know everybody that has gone through everything. I feel like I I've, I've talked to women who have had mastectomies and They stay flat and totally respect everybody and their decisions for their journey. And then I've talked to other women who have had just lumpectomies. I've talked to women who have had just one breast removed or, you know, there's just so many different options. But for me, when I was diagnosed and my friend Kelly was with me at the appointment and they said, you know, you have breast cancer and... Uh, we were talking about the different options and when the, the word mastectomy came out of the doctor's mouth, like mm. I really got lightheaded and thought I was going to just like fall on the floor because number one, I really didn't know anything about breast cancer. I knew what a mastectomy was and immediately in my mind, I had a visual and I was just thinking Completely
0: like, scarred, everything gone.
1: I was just like, this is this is too much for me to even process right now. And then right after that, he said, you know, if you choose to, you can have reconstruction at the same time, all during the same surgery. So basically what happens is the breast surgeon comes in and removes all of the breast tissue or it's most of it. There's always some percent left behind, like 2% or a little bit. But for the most part, all of your breast tissue gets removed. And then the um, plastic surgeon comes in and puts in implants. So it's two different doctors two different surgeries, but all at the same time. And that made me feel better because that's, I knew immediately that that's what I wanted to do. And I was really thankful that that was an option. And I was grateful that that was covered by the insurance. So that's what I decided to do. I'm very happy with the results. Um, And, you know, I have a really good book. I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, Crap. I'll have to come back. I'll have to like post it under the comments or something, but it's a really good book um, about, you know, the initial being diagnosed with breast cancer and all the different options. And I read it before I had any of my surgeries. And I felt very informed and prepared after I read that book. And I felt like I knew I was making the right decision. And, but like they even mention how, you know, the reconstruction is, covered. And that's a newer thing that just happened a couple of years ago. And that's really amazing. It's really a law, right? It it became a law. I don't remember the year, but it wasn't that long ago that they said that. um, And the other interesting part is the tumor was in my right breast, but they covered the double mastectomy. So both sides, even though I didn't have cancer on the left side and the reconstruction for both sides, And so that was awesome that they did that.
0: And with the genetic testing, obviously, the the choice was really, you didn't really give yourself much choice there. You just went for the full mastectomy rather than a lumpectomy because of the genetic testing diagnosis. Well, not even that.
1: They said there was so much going on. Like, I would have to have so many biopsies done. There were so many different calcifications. and lumps on both sides that they would have to do so many biopsies and it would just be really hard to navigate and i just said take them just take them
0: so you had surgery on cinco de mayo yeah Um, i I saw a picture of you with a with a sombrero on. yes i went to the hospital
1: with a sombrero and um it was really funny because Some of whoever knew that it was Cinco de Mayo nurses and doctors, they were cracking up and they totally got it. And um, some people didn't know what day it was. So they just thought I was a crazy person.
0: So this is this is kind of the beginning of the way uh, I saw that you were going to handle your treatment, your surgeries, your recovery. Um, You know, I, I think I saw a video of you dancing. A few days afterwards, you know, you're wearing a sweatshirt. You have drains in both breasts. And mm-hmm. it was Sandra at Universal Ballroom. It was her birthday party. Sandra's
1: birthday, yeah. And
0: you're dancing. How mm-hmm. many days after surgery?
1: Two or three, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It might have been two days that later. Was dancing.
0: Go figure. Yeah. So well, how, kids, how was the recovery?
1: So my kids were performing at Sandra's birthday party and I felt fine. So I just went. And I surprised my kids and it was awesome. And I got to celebrate with everybody at the studio. Um, and it's kind of a touchy subject because I am friends with so many women who have, are either going through breast cancer treatment, have gone through breast cancer treatment. And I know it can be hell because Mark's treatment was absolute hell. And I get that um, I'm just talking about my personal journey and I'm not downplaying what any person goes through with their cancer treatment. I know that it can be hell on earth. I totally get that. Um, for me, the, the double mastectomy with reconstruction, I went to a hotel afterwards and my friend Arlene stayed with me.
0: Had some crazy lady out in the hallway. It was just crazy.
1: We had a lot of fun. My friend Alicia came to visit and brought the city sips or something. I don't know. I, (laughs) I, I refuse to take pain meds for any surgery ever. So we just had a couple of drinks. City sips. Yeah. They're like in a bag. That was awesome. And, um, so, you know, I've relaxed and I, I felt, Good. I felt okay. And uh the drains were not as annoying as I expected them to be. They were actually totally fine. You
0: could dance with them actually, apparently.
1: Yeah. So um, I don't know, went to the dance studio and then even went back to dance. I remember I showed up at Amp to Dance, and Dana was like, What are you doing here? And I'm like, I have to dance. Like, I can't not dance. I have to dance. So um, I just kept dancing. I even took ballroom and Latin dances with Paul at the studio while I had the drains. And um, I just kept dancing. It it really helped me. It was very therapeutic. And my doctor even said because of that. So during my surgery, they removed three lymph nodes and one of the three lymph nodes had, um, it was positive. So that made it stage two because it spread to the lymph nodes. And I think a lot of women get, um physical therapy after that to get range of motion back with their arm. My range of motion was limited for a little while, but I think because I kept dancing, that was your physical that therapy. That was my physical therapy. I didn't have to go to, you know, physical therapy at the cancer center. And then um last summer I had the 24 radiation treatments. yeah oh, I
0: was gonna talk to talk to you about but, that. I was gonna say first off, I guess um yeah, you you decided um uh, because of um you did not get chemo because of your score.
1: Right. So, um I had um and not every person can get this or does and get this. And this is important
0: information. That's the only right. reason why I wanted to get there. Yeah, a lot right. of people
1: have never even heard of it. Um an Oncotype type score. So, it ranges from 0 to 100 and my oncologist said that if my score was 10 or below, he would not recommend chemo. And if it was above 10, he would recommend some, you know, chemo regimen. And I don't even remember what my score was. 16. 16. Okay. So my score was, it's funny that you know. I know know that, folks. I know that. Six
0: plus one equals seven. So it's six in my head.
1: So when he called me and told me that my score was 16, I just said, you know, I basically needed numbers from him. I said, if I do the chemo, because clearly 16 is not 10 not or 10. below, yeah. but it's not too far above either. So I said, I need, I need numbers. And you know, the percentages he was giving me in no way did any part of me think that chemo was worth it for me. Um, So I declined chemo and I said, I will not do chemo, but I will do the radiation. So
0: So began your journey of radiate positivity.
1: Yes. No, no,
0: share that one. <laughs> so, so you were basically th- you were told you needed 25 radiation treatments. That's right. basically five weeks of five days every day, not including weekends, right?
1: Yes. That's kind of it. So it's Monday through, Monday through Friday through Friday for five, for five weeks. weeks. Right. Okay. So when they first told me that, I'm like, oh, that's funny because it's summer and I have four kids. So how do you expect me to do that? And they showed me the schedule. And I'm like, how is this even possible? Like, what are you talking about? Um, I knew I had to make it work and I did. So it was a very interesting time. I would drop my younger girls off at farm camp. And then I would drive to the cancer center and get radiation. And then I would drive back to the farm camp and play with the goats for a while. And then that oh, was, goats. that's just kind of what we did. And, um, it worked. So yeah, I told myself in the beginning, Unfortunately, um, you can't
0: have a goat in con so we figured that out. So,
1: well, I can do whatever yeah. I want. It's okay. just
0: get a goat. then. Yeah, not, not yet.
1: I mean, now that we're talking about it, now, now I can't now, do it. all of a sudden we just it was, made it a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I probably won't do it. Okay. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs>
0: don't Shh. look at the goat. Valerie's <laughs>
1: don't don't yeah. report me. Yeah. Don't
0: report Valerie. I mean, goat. I had
1: chickens. I wasn't supposed to have chickens.
0: <laughs> chickens in her basement. Yeah. Interesting.
1: So anyway. um,
0: We're out of time. So I just want to stop recording. All right so so when you when you went to your first radiation treatment i just remember you you texted me a picture and i think you it, your shirt said something like uh, okay let's dance or it's time to dance or something okay, like that okay but first let's dance okay but first let's dance and and you just had your this biggest smile on your face and your arms up in the air i think you kicked a leg up in the air and and talk a little bit about your decision going into radiation treatment
1: So, I've always loved photography, and I feel like I'm a pretty creative person. And I just thought, you know what? I have to go through 25 of these treatments. I wonder if I could come up with 25 different themes or ideas for each radiation treatment and just take a picture in the radiation room, like on the machine for every treatment. And I thought that's going to be a lot 25. because it's 25. It's a lot. Am I going to be able to have a different T-shirt, a different theme? And I'm like, I'm just going to go for it, whatever. How many so, T-shirts you have? So I'm looking it up right now. So the first one said, but first, let's dance. And um, I actually did yoga booty yoga that day i went to the pool with my friend caitlin it was it was an awesome day (laughs) Valerie's
0: like browsing through her instagram to check her yeah it was uh, great
1: yeah then the second one i wore a shirt that said mind over matter um akashic records i see the book so that was the second treatment mind over matter and then the third one said it's fine i'm fine everything's fine that's just something i say all the time
0: all the time. All the time. Literally all I the time. I love that chart. Yeah.
1: And then the fourth one said, I am a survivor, warrior, and fighter with the pink rest, breast cancer ribbon underneath. Yes, you are. Um. And then the fifth one said, Lord, give me coffee to change the things I can and wine to accept the things I cannot. <laughs>
0: Makes sense. Um, okay. Yeah. You had a, a dance recital in between there, apparently.
1: Yeah, and then the fifth <laughs> one was, um, it said genetically one bad, and it's like an abbreviation. For that's funny because
0: we later discovered that that's actually a genetic mutation is M- right. MTHFR. M-T-H-F-R. Yeah. Right. We just thought that meant something else.
1: And I just said, this is definitely my favorite shirt so far. Finding out that I have a gene mutation was empowering. I was relieved to know what caused the cancer, and it helped me to make decisions about my treatment. My kids will have genetic testing when they turn 18. And if they do carry the gene, they will start screenings when they are 29 years old, 10 years before the age I was diagnosed.
0: I just got to say, I've always loved those red pants.
1: Thank you. Okay. Um,
0: Personal thing for me.
1: So then the seventh one. Cool it vibes? Just said positive vibes. Positive and vibes. I wore my pink color therapy glasses and a pink positive vibes T-shirt. Um, and then the eighth treatment, I said, after a wild night of crocheting with Kelly and Paige, I woke up late for my appointment this morning. It was the perfect day to wear my tired as a mother shirt, um, that my friend Steph Gallagher made for me. Um, some people have asked me what the marker and stickers on my chest are for. I had three dots tattooed on me before treatment started one on the right side one on the left side and one in the middle of my chest the marker spots are covered with stickers and they help the radiation technicians line my body up with the machine i work out swim and shower and the stickers have stayed on i
0: remember those stickers
1: yeah i actually like those stickers i know i
0: think you should almost well you don't really want a tattoo of that i guess no but they, i was like fine I with really them. i really yeah they represented something when you have
1: them and then the ninth treatment um, I put my hair in braids and my shirt said namaste and I sat in,
0: Namaste,
1: mother effer. I sat in, um, you know, I can't even think right now. There's like what, hearts,
0: there's hearts all around. Whatever that position You sat is. in a yoga, yoga position. Yoga pose. Cross-legged yoga.
1: Yeah. I had too much. And you held up the number. Nine. Nine.
0: nine.
1: nine. Um, so I just said namaste. Up until now,
0: you, you hold up a number every time.
1: I just said namaste. We second week of radiation is done. Yeah. And then you,
0: to you and she went to yoga. <gasps> Number
1: 10. So 10 is when it started it to got get real. It started getting better because I started getting more ideas. So it says 10th treatment, third week, fight like a girl. So my shirt says fight like a girl with pink boxing gloves. And I actually brought my own pink boxing gloves. And then I have a picture All these of these pictures
0: available on dancingwithvalerie.com, but Dancing in the Rain with valerie.com.
1: and my Instagram
0: and her Instagram. Yeah. So Valerie. Underscore Ballerina four two
1: nine. So there's another picture okay. of me pretending to punch. Punching out the tech. Yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> it's like really an awesome picture. Like they had fun. I had fun. I looked forward to every day of radiation. Yeah. I had a bliss. This is probably one of my favorites. Um, my shirt said, "Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain." And I had my point shoes on, a tutu, and an umbrella. Um, so sitting in the waiting room with point shoes. Yes, because I didn't, I, I had gap. to be, I had to be in and out. So I had it down to a science at that point that yeah. whatever I could now, have on.
0: on at this point or did you put the tutu on once you got in there?
1: You know what? I think the tutu might have. the
0: hospital gown? Because that would be an interesting look.
1: No, I think it was on because I only needed the radiation on my chest. So mm-hmm. I don't remember, but I just made it as quick as possible because Pink I knew umbrella. the next I knew when the next was, person had to come in, so I had yeah. to make it very quick. And then um, the next one, my shirt said, "Not fragile like a flower, fragile like a bomb." And Jack made me a bomb out of what so was that?
0: That was a, a ball, I think. I know a ball and black duct tape. Yeah, and some and some and some uh, sparkly. What are these things called?
1: Pipe cleaners. Pipe cleaners. Sparkly pipe cleaners. So I'm holding a. Bomb in one hand and then flowers in the other. So, Valerie hand. walked me
0: to the hospital with a bomb, folks.
1: Basically. Yeah. So, that was number 12. And then. I uh, love this one. Yeah. Number 13, just my shirt. We're said, looking at
0: pictures and you guys are listening to audio, but go on. You can see on her Instagram, all these pictures are there. Yeah. Valerie underscore ballerina 429.
1: So, basically, that shirt said fight on and um you
0: got like a rosie the riveter kind of rosie the riveter
1: look totally um showing up showing off the guns then the next one was this is probably my my favorite yeah Yeah. um genetic my shirt says genetics mutations happen you have three arms
0: in that picture
1: yes and i said genetic mutations happen and genetic testing can save your life today was my 14th was treatment 14 out of 25 in the end of my third week of treatment. And I had, um, a little Ninja turtle on my shoulder <laughs> because teenage mutant Ninja turtles mutant. And then I had the radiation tech get behind me on the floor and put her arm behind me. So it looks like I have three arms. Um, that was probably one of my favorite ones. It's so cute. Um, then, my 15th treatment, my shirt says, hell yes, they're fake. The real ones tried to kill me. I said, today, sexy
0: with the gloves.
1: today was my 15th treatment and the beginning of my fourth week of radiation. Radiation is the second phase of my breast cancer treatment. On May 5th, I had a double mastectomy with reconstruction. Even before I found out I had an ATM gene mutation, I decided to have a double mastectomy The cancer was only in the right breast, but I wanted both sides removed to lower my chances of cancer occurring in the left breast. The reason genetic testing is so important is because if you find out you carry a gene mutation that has a high chance of causing breast cancer, you have options. Some women choose to have a prophylactic mastectomy to reduce the risk of ever developing breast cancer. Other women choose to start early mammograms or a thermography. Angelina Jolie had a prophylactic double mastectomy with reconstruction because she had the BRCA1 gene, which carries a very high risk of developing breast cancer. If anyone in your family had or has cancer, please consider genetic testing. And then the next one, my shirt said Hakuna Matatas with like Lion King characters on it. And I had cat ears on and um, it just says treatment 16 out of 25. Um I like this quote. It says courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the little voice at the end of the day that says I'll try again tomorrow. You in
0: quotes? Yeah, I love them. I've never I've never seen somebody who, who obsessed. Finds yeah. So
1: many I keep saying quotes. this, but like this was also one of my favorites. I love this too. This was great. So sure name, radiation. Right. So my shirt said straight out of radiation. You guys really have to check out these pictures because yes. they're really awesome. We took a picture
0: of Mark's bike afterwards, too. So, you know I had, here.
1: so I had a bandana on and the straight out of radiation shirt. <laughs> and I said I had a totally different theme for today and I changed it at the last minute. I didn't even know why I changed my mind, especially because I was running late. While I was at the cancer center waiting for my treatment, I looked at my Facebook memories and realized that today is the day Mark was diagnosed with cancer three years ago. So what I thought was going to be a normal day turned into a very emotional day. Mark loved hip hop and would have appreciated this shirt that Steph Gallagher made for me. Thank you. Then a friend of mine suggested taking pictures on Mark's bike. I will definitely be listening to Tupac for the rest of the day. Keep your head up. Treatment number 17. Um, That was an epic one. I took pictures on my husband's bike that is still in my shed. And it just really went with the whole theme. And then um, treatment 18, I had a rainbow shirt that says "Radiate Positivity," and the I, name of
0: the whole series of pictures now "Radiate Positivity."
1: I had glasses that were glowing, um, and a sun above your, head. and then a sun above my head, and it just says, "When life gives it's you radiation, face. when life gives you radiation, radiate positivity." Treatment number 17, only seven more to go. But if <laughs> when you look at these pictures, you can just see how happy yeah. I was, like. I really just had so much fun at radiation. Um, this is another Radi- good one. You,
0: radiation. This is what let me know that I think you're alien because radiation actually you thrived with radiation.
1: I think I am an alien.
0: You, I think you are. an yeah.
1: alien. Yeah. But I'm cool with that. Yes.
0: It's cool to know an alien. So
1: um, treatment 19. Looking
0: badass with tattoos. My
1: shirt said life is tough, but so am I with the pink breast cancer ribbon underneath and then i had fake sleeves that looks like i have tattoos and glasses and a bandana and um it just says 19th treatment and at the end of my fourth week of radiation my brother actually said that was his favorite one yet um <laughs> then treatment 20 i said my shirt said perfectly imperfect 20th treatment at the beginning of my first fifth week and last week of radiation, I'm standing, sitting there with a robe, pajama pants, and a coffee mug that says "Crazy Cat Lady." And no
0: makeup, people. She went with no makeup this day. Yeah, it was rough. I had yeah. oh, I had slippers you on. You had slippers, wow, fuzzy I really slippers. went, I really went all wow. out.
1: Okay. So then treatment twenty-one, I had a shirt that says "Stronger Than Cancer," and I'm holding up a blow-up weight thing. Wait, that's that, blow-up. That's not real. <laughs> it says a thousand pounds. And I said twenty first treatment, only four more to go. Um, what else did I do for that? Oh, uh, yeah. I said I wasn't ready for half the shit I went through, but clearly I'm built for it. That was just like a quote. You've got what it takes, but it will take everything you got. So. I think
0: that's when you came home that day and and um you did the uh yoga swing in your yard, I remember.
1: Mm-hmm. When you came mm-hmm. home that day. I love this one too. Yeah. Twenty-second treatment, three more to go. I said Warrior Wednesday. I have a warrior shirt and the
0: like a ninja bandana kind of thing there.
1: Yeah, I have feathers in my hair and like a sleeve of tattoos and a sword. Um, and like <laughs> pink. I purposely did the pink warrior paint on my face, obviously, for breast cancer. And the quote says, Be a warrior, not a warrior there is a warrior in all of us. <laughs> That's me sitting in the waiting room <laughs> with feathers in my hair and a,
0: your pink feather earrings and your bandana. Holding a
1: sword in the waiting room. Totally fine. Um, 23rd treatment. My shirt says, fuck, fuck
0: breast cancer,
1: Fuck breast cancer with a skeleton hand with the pink Where ribbon. They,
0: by the way, they gotta be around
1: somewhere. Yeah. Um, so I had like skeleton gloves on and a skeleton mask and it was pretty cool. um, And the quote that I put with it says, life has given me plenty of scars, but never a reason to slow down. Um, And then this is where it all started. Wonder Woman. 24th treatment. um, I had a Wonder Woman shirt that is the whole thing is pink. The W for Wonder Woman is pink. And then in the middle of the W, it's a breast cancer ribbon. So I have the gloves on, I have the golden lasso, I have the headpiece on, and then I tied up the radiation technician.
0: He looks like he just told you everything you never wanted lasso. to.
1: With the lasso. He was such a good sport. And that then, quote
0: there is one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, so the quote that I put with it is a picture of Wonder Woman, and it says, and then I just got up one more time. Wonder Woman is not a fictional character. Wonder Woman is a mindset.
0: That started it all up, people. I started everything.
1: Here is to strong women. May we know them. May we be them. May we raise them. So that's how the whole Wonder Woman thing started, actually.
0: Okay. And then you got COVID.
1: Yeah. Before yep.
0: treatment number 25.
1: Yeah. So then I got how COVID. Was that? Uh, it was really bad. Yeah, I remember. And so I couldn't get my last treatment Um the doctor said it was fine. He said, thank God it happened at the very end. If it happened in the middle of radiation, that would have been a huge problem. But he said, if you miss one treatment, it really isn't that big of a deal. Um, So I was really, really sick and um, pretty much just survived on Pedialyte. And uh, it was an interesting time. I think
0: uh, saltines. Yeah, uh, one day I
1: remember I ate a cracker and I was like really proud of myself because I finally ate something.
0: So anyway, that was episode seven. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway. Valerie's breast cancer story. So... okay so we finished up with uh, October now and then the the month of November comes up and uh, I kind of knew it was going was gonna happen in November and um, I left this space to you for November so on 119 I remember you texting me saying that you just recorded a podcast and I don't know if I was ever if, if I've ever been more proud of you by the way or, or impressed but um, so on Le- on November 9th you've recorded the podcast Rape Culture. Mhm. And uh, in this podcast you you went you went into a lot of societies. Um, society's uh, I guess you can say um, I'm thinking of the I'm trying to think of the right word society's way they treat um you know, the idea of rape and, and sexual assault in and, and our culture and, and, and what women go through. And, and you also shared a little bit of your personal story. So I guess I'm just going to let you talk about that however you wish
1: and feel. I, I feel like I need to explain what rape culture is. I'm actually yeah. going to look it up because, I mean, I know what rape culture is. but I'm just trying to think of a, a really good way. I think you spelled of... it out
0: well in the episode, but that was a year ago. <laughs> a little Not quite a year ago
1: um behaviors commonly associated with rape culture include victim blaming, slut shaming, sexual objectification, trivial, trivializing rape, denial of widespread rape, refusing to acknowledge the harm caused by sexual violence or a combination. So just to give you like a gist of the idea of what rape culture is, which is pretty much it it is the culture that we live in. Um And because we live in a rape culture, it's uh, a huge part of the reason why victims don't want to come forward because sometimes they are blamed and shamed and, you know, that's the culture that we live in. And so well, we
0: started asking the woman questions right away. What were you wearing? Were you drinking? Right. And and all that kind of information. has nothing
1: to do with anything, actually.
0: No, nothing at all to do with anything. Yeah you know, what were you expecting to happen when you went there and why were you wearing this and Mm -hmm. who did you talk to? And, you know,
1: instead of saying, why did that person rape you in our culture? It's very common for us to look at a woman and say, well, were you wearing a short skirt? Were you wearing makeup? Were you being flirty? Were you drinking? I don't care what you're wearing or what kind of makeup you're wearing or if you're drinking or not. You, nobody wants to be raped. That's the bottom line. Uh, you know, in,
0: in this episode, you actually, you actually quoted some, um, some politicians and some, some mm-hmm. people, you know, think, you know, like this one guy it's from Wisconsin really said, you know, some girls rape easy. Right. You know, that's, that's a politician. That's a, that's a, a house of, you know, that's a congressman. That seriously gave me
1: chills. Like that is Yeah.
0: What did they disgusting. expect? This is a woman, a Fox News pundit um, talking about women who were raped in the military. What did they expect? They say, you know, and some of the statistics you you put out there where, you know, victims of sexual assault are three times more likely to suffer from depression, six six times more to suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, Mm -hmm. 13 times more likely to abuse alcohol, 26 times more likely to abuse drugs and four times more likely to contemplate suicide. Mm -hmm. It it just it just permeates our society. and, Mm -hmm. And what are we doing to to our young women and in in our women in this culture when we we just don't believe them.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And not only don't believe them, but actually blame shame them. them and blame them, mm-hmm. which is completely insane.
0: A short skirt is not an invitation to rape.
1: No, we are allowed to. Dancing
0: is not an invitation
1: to rape. Nothing. Absolutely nothing is makes rape acceptable. Obviously, I can't believe I have to say that statement, but yeah. I, I do, apparently. Um You know, it's, it's sad because every woman even, you know, they can choose whether they want to report or not, but even in my case, and I never thought before I was raped, I always thought, you know, God forbid that ever happened to me, I will immediately run down to the police station and report it and the guy will go to jail. And that's what I thought. And I think a lot of women think that. And that's not what happened. I was raped right before my 21st birthday. And immediately my brain went into this mindset of, okay, I don't want to upset my grandmom and my dad and my mom. And I, I just don't want to make a big scene out of this. I just almost wanted to just pretend this did not happen. It's like, if I don't talk about it, it didn't happen. That's how I was thinking at the time. And I would cry myself to sleep every night. But I did not want to talk about it. And the other things going through my mind were, number one, I'm a 20-year-old girl. What if the police don't believe me? Um, You know, this was a well-respected doctor in the Philadelphia community. He had tons of money and connections. And As
0: as the aggressor told you all this, basically. Right. And maybe they threatened you with that.
1: Maybe they would think that I'm trying to get money out of this, which I was not. I just wanted him to go to prison. But uh these thoughts were going through my mind and i really wish that those thoughts didn't have to go through any women's minds whether they're sexually assaulted or raped they should feel um that they're going to be heard and believed and that needs to happen that just needs to happen you need to believe a victim's story i had nothing to gain by telling my story i i you know, it was an unfortunate thing that happened to me and to several other women that he sexually assaulted. And a couple of years later, we finally went to court and he ultimately wound up spending nine years in prison. Um, so, so I mean, kudos but my to point, you
0: to you're, you. You're, in other words, you you put the guy behind bars. But my
1: point is the reason I did not originally report it was because the major thought in my mind was, I don't think they're going to believe me. I'm a 20 year old massage therapist and he's a well respected, rich chiropractor. And I, you know, because of the society that we live in, that's why I thought that. And, and it you, happens, went there, you
0: basically went there on a job interview.
1: Yes. And that happens all the time. Like victims are not believed and it's a huge problem. And that's what rape culture is not believing victims, shaming victims, you know, asking
0: them what they did to participate exactly. in the
1: closet. Right. Exactly. And it wasn't until he was pled guilty and sentenced right in front of my eyes that that's when I realized it was crazy because that was several years later. I realized, wow, I really didn't do anything wrong. Because for those years in between, I literally was questioning myself. Like, Did I give him some kind of vibe that I wanted that to happen? And I was like, no, I was wearing hospital scrubs and I was 20 years old and I was just on a job interview. And it wasn't until that moment where I watched him plead guilty that I realized 100% I did not do anything to, um, you know, cause that to happen. He's a sick person and he, uh, you know, sexually assaulted many other people as well. And it's just when you're sexually assaulted or raped or anything like that, your mind, you don't know how you're going to react. And your mind can play tricks on you. And I just really wish society would be start moving in a different direction and, you know, make a change and believe victims of sexual assault and rape.
0: Which I guess I guess you kind of expounded upon a little bit on your, your second um, on podcast episode number number nine on the, at the end of November, you did a second one. Um, shedding light on rape culture, which is, you know, I, I, I guess I can, I can sum that whole episode up in, in one, one thing. It's no is a complete sentence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there, there's so much education and so much societal pressure um, put, on, put on young people, both male and female, as, as to what to expect from things and what you, you know, how you should act. And our, our young boys just basically need to be taught respect young men need to be taught to respect. It's not, it's not a, a, macho thing to just, you know, just go do this to women. You, you, you really need to understand and respect each other. And, um, you know, you, you went into so many different um, societal norms that we, we accept these days that have just over generation and hundreds and thousands of years of, of a male dominated society, what women have had to kind of endure Mm-hmm. You know, whether whether it's um whether it's a
1: up until not that long husband ago, raping his wife. I was just going to say yeah. that up until not that long ago. I don't remember the exact year, but legally they would not, you know, acknowledge that a husband could rape his wife because they just said your husband and wife, that's not possible. And then finally, you know, they caught up with reality and realize that no you can be raped by your husband or your boyfriend or whoever and or or a doctor well oh, i was yeah. going to say that being said it's usually somebody that you know whether it's a friend or a husband or a boyfriend or a coworker it's mo- the majority of the time it's somebody that you know
0: Okay. So, so from the end of November, the, uh, our next podcast isn't until March 9th actually of 2022, but that doesn't mean you weren't busy there. There's a whole lot you had going on in between November of 2021 and March of March of 2022. Uh, number one, you were in two Christmas showcases, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you did from what I can count, you did four podcast interviews, uh, guest interviews. First was, a uh, Cancer Talks. You were you were their end of year guest for Cancer Talks on, on, on that podcast. So um, you want to talk about that a little bit? Just
1: and um, then you talked a
0: little bit about Mark's story and your story and
1: Yeah, the the whole message behind that and their whole spin on it, which I really loved and appreciated, was that even though it's called Cancer Talks and we're clearly talking about cancer stories, it was really focused on the positive things that came out of it and the people that were brought into my life and Mark's life as a result of, you know, being diagnosed with cancer and really how it changed our lives in a positive way. And it was a very different and interesting um, angle on it. You know, it wasn't just, we weren't just sitting there talking about cancer and Mark dying and me having cancer. We were really talking about the people brought into my life and how it changed my life in a positive way. The positive things that came out of it.
0: The one, the one thing I, I took from this episode is when you mentioned how Mark's attitude during his treatments and his and his 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 challenge his uh, struggle with cancer, how his positive attitude um, affected you when you were diagnosed, right? And, and how you you took what the way Mark approached his disease and, and and you, his illness and you, the way you approached yours and, and how that affected you in such a positive way.
1: Yeah, I think it was just on a very deep subconscious level that I didn't realize. And I never thought, honestly, after Mark passing away from cancer and never in a million years that I think I would be diagnosed with cancer. So when I was, crazy, it really just was, it came naturally, but I didn't realize until later on that I think I got that from him because of his positive attitude the whole time. And it's like, why not? Why not have a positive attitude? Because it can only help you mentally, physically, on every, emotionally, on every level. And there are studies, I have books about it, like the biology of belief. And your mind has a lot of control over your body. And I really think that my positive mindset and just being physically active are the two things that I think really helped me through my cancer treatment. I totally agree with that. But it didn't really hit me that I, I I don't think I would have had the idea to do all these different themes for every different cancer treatment and try to make it fun and inspiring for other people. If Mark wasn't so positive during his cancer treatment. So that was something that, um, I realized during that interview, which was really cool.
0: And that, that led you into, um, your second interview was, it was in February. It was, uh, with Dr. McKell actually. And, um, I remember you tell me you had that interview set and we were all excited about it. And then you had called me, I think you had texted me the day of, and, and you, you gave me some news.
1: Yeah, uh, it was literally the like the day of
0: was, that you were doing the interview uh, something that happened. Um you were scheduled to do the interview that night and you found that early in, earlier in the day that Bush Well,
1: had, it was literally like an hour before. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, that um I maybe found out hours, that because I was driving back from Massachusetts, so it's maybe two hours. Yeah, what did you find out that day? When you're scheduled to do this interview on grief and, and, and dealing with grief, um
1: so I texted my cousin George and I just said how is my grandmom who I called Busha? I said, how is she doing? Because she was in the hospital and he said she passed away. And I was in the parking lot at CVS and I pulled over and I was just crying hysterically. And then I had to pull myself together and drive home. And I texted Dr. McHale and I said, I just found out that my grandmother passed away, like right now. And, um, she said, you know, oh my God, obviously we can reschedule. And, Um, after talking to my brother and really thinking about it, I thought, no, because you know, if we were talking about something completely unrelated, maybe I would want to reschedule, but we're talking about grief and I wanted to do it. And I'm so glad that I did it because she was amazing. And then because it was an Instagram live, um, I had friends and family popping up. I was there leaving comments and I felt very uh supported and loved in that moment and I mean honestly what better time to talk about grief than while you're going through it and I was going through it and I was really glad that I did the interview that night and it was very healing for me and it was awesome
0: go check out our our, uh, YouTube channel for uh, that entire interview with Dr. and Valerie it was really um Something, something special, uh, just knowing what Valerie was dealing with at that time. I'm getting all emotional here now talking about it, but um, the way <laughs> you stepped up and and, and like Busher would have been proud, proud of that. Well, that I, was I, another I can, I, thing. I, I really, looking down.
1: I really kind of thought about it and I almost heard her voice yes. and she was saying, yes. just do it. You can cry about me later. You can cry about me whenever you want, but you need to do this interview.
0: So, so after that, your next, you next, you did two Instagram lives in a, in a row and we kind of do one of those one of these days you yeah. keep saying you want to do an Instagram live. So you did a dance talk with Joanne Carey and it was basically, um, well, it's everything for you, right? It's the healing aspects of dance and, and what mm-hmm. dance had, had done for you and, um, what it means in your life. And, uh, Joanne has her own interesting story of, of, of dealing with grief and, um, you know, I guess just describe a little bit about how that interview went, and and she's become a friend. Yeah, you know, she's become a everybody
1: I've done with, become has friend. become a friend. I see what you are, yeah. honestly. Everybody yeah. has become a friend. Um, well, first of all, I think that is the most interesting, fascinating part of my story, at least for me, is because I started dancing when I was two. And it was my entire life until I was in high school and I switched over to kickboxing and then totally didn't do it at all for 21 years. Can then
0: imagine you not dancing?
1: Well, it happened. I know. And, uh, and then, you know, Mark and Sarah passed away, uh, what, 16 days apart? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And
0: April 25th and May 11th.
1: And I just knew that that's what I needed to do. And I talked to my son and daughter's ballroom teacher, Sandra Fortuna, who is just a genius.
0: Genius.
1: Yeah, Yeah, she's a goddess and she's amazing. And I went to her and I said, look, I haven't danced in 21 years and I need to do ballet again. And she started as a ballerina, but she's been doing ballroom and Latin dancing forever but she knows about she's very good at ballet. And I said, I, I need to dance. I need to take lessons with you. And I really want to do a ballet dance in the Christmas showcase. And I just kept going. I'm like, and it also has to be on pointe shoes. And I already have a song picked out. And she was like, okay, go, just go buy the pointe shoes. And I guess we'll figure it out and see what happens. And then I realized that um, for anybody that does ballet or dances on pointe shoes, when you're doing a performance, obviously you could do a performance by yourself. But when you have a partner, you can do lifts and spins and a lot of other things. So I went over Jack's and I said, um, <laughs> by the way, Sarah was Jack's wife. So we were both going through um, yeah, we, losing we became, a spouse.
0: We found each other through our own, through our shared grief.
1: So I went down to his house, and I was like, here's the thing. Um, I want to start dancing again and on pointe shoes, and I want to do a performance in the Christmas showcase, and I need a partner. And he was like, okay. Sure, why So not? we just started taking private lessons with Sandra, and before you know it, we're doing like crazy lifts and spins, and it was – Honestly, still to this day, I don't understand. Check
0: out the website. The dance is pretty cool.
1: I just don't don't even understand. I had people. I don't know
0: how we did that. The first time I walked in that room and I saw you go up on point and I went, what the hell am I (laughs) doing here? But I just... What the hell am I doing? I don't... I number one, like, I, I don't do even... I do tree stump. You can spin around. Here. I don't
1: even know how I was getting up on point <laughs> shoes again after 21 years of not dancing. Um, I Now had, she does
0: point runway, folks. But anyway.
1: I had girls that I danced with, you know, growing up that were reaching out to me. And they're like, dude, how are you doing that? Like, that's kind of dangerous. I'm like, I have no explanation for what's happening. It's some kind of divine intervention thing happening. She's an alien. Yeah. It's just some alien stuff. So... <laughs> Um, so we took private lessons with Sandra and it was just like every week, so much progress and it was just so healing for both of us. And then, uh, we performed at the Christmas showcase and it was epic. I mean, all four of my kids were in the dance and my friend Paige was in the dance with angel wings and she wore my wedding dress and she represented, Sarah and Jack represented Mark. So at the end of the dance, uh, Paige and Jack walked off in one direction and the kids and I walked out the front door of the studio representing that we're still going to go on and live our lives, but it was a beautiful performance. And on top of that, we performed for my grandma meme. Uh, She had dementia and she was in a nursing home and Dance was my grandmother's life as well and that's where I got the love of dance from, from her. And she was in the nursing home and we basically told the nursing home we need the the entertainment room and I'm doing a performance for my grandma. So we brought the music, the costumes, everything. We had other family members there, and we performed the whole dance for her.
0: That's by far my favorite performance. Yeah, it was
1: it was amazing. She, she was crying. And She
0: said, "Pure gold."
1: She's. I said, "Did you like it?" And she said, "It was pure gold." Um, and that was shortly before she passed away, so that was a really special moment that I'll never forget. Um, we also performed the dance at another nur- nursing home. Um, so we oh. Well the first time we performed it was in Delaware. Oh, yeah, Delaware. Um, so we performed that dance several times and everybody loved it and it was just very healing not only for us but for everybody that watched it they would just get very emotional and everybody really loved it. Um I forget the original question.
0: It was just about dance talk with Joanne but I think you you kind of you kind of went through <laughs> yeah. Well that was specifically How about that. But I mean thank you Sandra. Yeah. Yes. You're
1: a um, genius. But since then, so at the Christmas showcase, Sandra announced at, I don't know, at some point during the showcase, she said, and Valerie is going to start teaching ballet, um, you know, when we come back in January. And I'm like, oh, I am? I was like, oh, that's awesome. Never in a million years, first of all, thought that I would go back to dance at the, you know my age with four kids after not dancing for 21 years, and at this point now she's telling everybody I'm gonna teach and I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, I still teach and I absolutely love it so much. And um,
0: you dance you take ballet lessons, you dance. So ballet, I take ballet, ballet
1: at a studio. I teach ballet at a studio. I do dance modeling. Um, it is just completely you do dance
0: runway now. Right. I ballet do runway.
1: I do runway shows runway on my toes and point shoes. I'm, check it out
0: on the website, folks.
1: I did a rap music video in point shoes. Everything is just ballet is life. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. I recently went to Philly Fashion Week to take pictures and videos, and the opening of the show was, you know, it was three ballerinas Good um favor. that opened the show, and it was just really beautiful and Ballet is really coming back into the fashion world and the music video world. And it's just becoming part of different aspects of life where you don't expect to see it. It's not just on stage for the Nutcracker or anything like that. Like it's in rap videos and it's on runways and it's everything.
0: For everyone listening, just just go on our website and watch watch Valerie with runway ballet. It's It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing to see. So, okay. Uh, the next interview you did again, again, you didn't, we didn't do a podcast between November and March, but you did a bunch of interviews and, and this is one of my favorites because it, it's sort of an all encompassing Valerie story, if you will, it was, um, mm, you were on the deficits. friends with deficits. I think mm-hmm. it was a, a gentleman, a giraffe and a ballerina,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? You yeah. were the ballerina.
1: Yes.
0: And, Clearly. um, Not a I, I, a I giraffe. <laughs> right, right. So. Not in this life at least. <laughs> But um, I remember when you, uh, you you I was up in Massachusetts. Um, I was up there recently when you sent sent it to me. You said, "Hey, it, that that podcast I told you about finally loaded up," and I, I, I don't have any other words other than just blown away. Um, how open and honest and and giving you were with your story. Um, And, and just how, how, you know, that's what you do. You talk about the stuff that other people don't want to talk about. Right. You you talk about the things that, that make people somewhat uncomfortable, but are part of life. Right. And, and in doing that, you're able to just heal so many. Because it, it, it enables someone else to be comfortable in talking about their story and um,
1: great because all the things they talk about when you really think about it, cancer and death and rape, and that's not fun to talk about, but it needs to be talked about. Yeah, it needs to be out there. But
0: in this story, you you pretty much went and by the way, it's when I first learned that you you started kickboxing because you saw a kickboxing movie with your father, actually. Mm-hmm. And then I also learned, Valerie was a police officer in Richmond, by the way. And the reason she's not a police officer anymore is because GPS did not exist at the time. <laughs> she, <laughs> she it did not, sucked. I yeah. had not bought a map. I can't Thank read God, a map. GPS did not exist because you wouldn't be here. Well, You'd be like a police officer in Richmond at that everything point.
1: Everything happens for a
0: reason. She uh, if GPS existed, Valerie might be still be a police officer in Richmond, Virginia. But she hated maps, didn't know where she I was. I grew up so, in
1: Philly. And then yeah. somehow I wind up being a police officer in Virginia. And I'm like, I don't know where anything is.
0: These little things you learn. But um I, I thought that was it. If you wanna if you wanna hear a literally a a point A to point B to point C to point Z, um, it's not. not it's the now. most
1: information I've included as yes. a guest on a podcast. It's not everything. No, there's still a lot more. Yeah, but um, it's a
0: good Cliff Notes version of Valerie's life so far.
1: I've loved every interview I've ever done, um, but each one before that had a focus. Um, with Joanne, it was about how dance helped me heal and process my grief, and with Dr. McHale, we really focused on just grief in general. And I remember when I uh, first, you know, I was talking to Adam before the interview and I said, so what's the focus? What do you want to focus on? And he said, I don't have a focus. He said, I just want you to start talking. I don't care how long we talk. I can edit whatever you want. Um, And so because we didn't have a specific focus, I just started talking (laughs) and we talked forever hours and somehow he put like I'm guessing three hours of interview content into like a little over an hour he condensed it which I have no idea how he did that so I remember
0: when you were done with the interview you're like dude I just went there you like dude. every I, I could not not imagine. everything
1: but a lot of yeah, things that I never yeah. talked of before because again there was not he said I don't have a specific focus I just want you to start talking so I started talking and you know, several hours later, he was like, okay, that's a lot. I'm like, good luck editing and putting that together. Um, but he did. And I talked about a lot of things that I never talked about before.
0: Hey, you know, one of the things you talked about in this episode towards the end was the concept of a Wonder Woman mindset, which leads us into episode 10.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It, finally, on March 9th, Valerie decided to do another podcast. You know, yeah. Lazy Valerie decides yeah. to go good. You know, what are you doing these days if you're not podcasting, right? But um <laughs> So, a million
1: other things. Yeah,
0: like a zillion. But um, so on on March 9th, you you put out, you finally come out with Wonder Woman Mindset. And this one was pretty cool because, number one, at the beginning, you caught everybody up. Hey, what the hell's been happening with Valerie? I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. And then uh, you had your kids on. Yeah. You know, the deer in the headlights, you know, as they're going to be for the first time. But um, it was just so wonderful um, hearing you talk to them about what a Wonder Woman mindset means to them. And and let me ask you, just what does a Wonder Woman mindset mean to you?
1: Wonder Woman <laughs> mindset is everything because as I mentioned before, you know, people in general, men and women um, go through a lot in life, but women particu- particularly go through particularly. a lot. Particularly. <laughs> um, and, you know, like I said, it's, If we tell ourselves that we're victims, all these things happen, um, then we can just be crushed by the weight of all of it. If we tell ourselves that we are Wonder Woman and we will get through anything that life throws at us, then I truly believe and I know that we can. And it's just so magical to me when I first started getting all my Wonder Woman gear, like backpacks and T-shirts and (laughs) Shoes and just literally she everything. There's
0: gear, people. A lot. Valerie has Wonder Woman. She's got a Wonder Woman steering wheel cover for her car. Yes. Just and floor mats, the mats. And floor mats. Mm-hmm. Okay. And floor yeah. mats. Yeah.
1: So I remember going to the cancer center with my Wonder Woman backpack that actually lights up like every time it moves. And so <laughs> it gets your attention is my point. And one of the nurses, actually, I think she was a doctor at the cancer center, and she said, I love your Wonder Woman backpack. And I looked at her and I said, You're Wonder Woman. And I just, re- it was the first time I did that. And I just realized her whole demeanor changed, her face changed, she just, her face lit up, and it was almost just, I I could see in that moment that she realized and acknowledged like, hell yeah, I am a wonder woman and I don't know what she's been through and I don't need to know what she's been through. I just know that we've all been through a lot of things. And by just me saying that simple statement to her, I said, you are wonder woman. And she started thinking of all the things that she has overcome. And she realized in that moment, like, yeah, I am a wonder woman. So, that's been a huge thing. Um, I walked around Times Square as Wonder Woman. I did a cosplay show as Wonder Woman. But what I realized the more, the deeper I got into this Wonder Woman world is that Wonder Woman is not just a fictional character. Um, it's a mindset. And, you know, all of the other Characters are very cool, but there's something very special about Wonder Woman. And uh, she represents a lot to a lot of people. And when I walked around Times Square and I had little girls coming up to me and hugging me and wanting to take pictures with me, and then even women, I realized that, you know, how much Wonder Woman represents resilience and strength and hope, um, specifically for women. And it just really means a lot.
0: The thing I realized, and again, lugging all your bags around Times Square um, when you were there, is that there, this is not cosplay for you. You, you right. truly are a Wonder Woman. You are. Yeah. And when you tell a woman that she is Wonder Woman, you're not saying, hey, yeah, you're some fictional character or something right. like that. You're, like, you're it telling them in, point, their, in their life that they, they are a Wonder and Woman. And that's what's
1: so special about it. When you really think about the other characters in Times Square, there were like several different people. I remember people. the banged up Hulk. But there yeah. were several people dressed as Spider-Man and there With was the a Hulk necklace. and yeah. you know, stuff like that. Like if you looked at a kid Sorry, and Hulk. said, like, you are Spider-Man, like that doesn't really mean anything. You can't spin a web and swing from the buildings. When you tell when hey, I, hey, speak for yourself. When I look at a little girl and tell her she's Wonder Woman, that means something and it's deep and it's life-changing. Yeah. And it's really it, profound and it means something much more than any of the other characters. Like
0: of of course, when you you know you did that cos the Cosmo to cosplay uh, fashion show where Valerie was Wonder Woman, go check it out online. It exists up in New York City. We're, we go to the parking garage and we're, we're waiting for our car, and this this girl asking you to take a picture with her mother. And and why did why did the mom want you to take a picture with her?
1: So the woman said i'm obsessed with wonder woman i became obsessed with her because i am a cancer survivor and i said i am also a cancer survivor and we had a very you know emotional conversation and we took a really cool picture together but that day changed my life because i already knew i already knew wonder woman was a mindset and i already knew that that was a message that i wanted to spread out to the world but that day it became so much more real on so many too. so many different levels. Um, the way that these women and girls were looking at me, they were not looking at me as another character walking around Times Square like Spider-Man or the Hulk or the Transformer. They looked at me. Or Elmo. Yeah, or Elmo or <laughs> Mickey and Minnie. Um, yeah. It was very different. Wonder Woman represents um, a lot of different things on such a deep level. And um, it's everything, honestly. It's- I can't wait to go back again. Yeah, it's okay. it was life changing.
0: So, so after, after after March and and the, the Wonder Woman mindset episode, um, April comes up. And April is um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you did a um, you did a very in depth episode with um, Jenny from uh, Reboot and Rise, and um, yeah, I, I you know I still get emotional thinking about that one. Actually, as as honest and open and as giving as you were of your story there with her and that now, um, I, I guess just talk about what that experience was like for you.
1: Um, Well, first of all, I was honored to be invited to be on her podcast and to talk about such a sensitive topic. And, um, you know, I was just very open about my experience. And it was just an awesome interview. And we covered so many different aspects of it. It wasn't just, you know, this is my rape story. This happened. We got into a lot of really important topics and i remember listening to that episode in the car with natalia um my teenage daughter and she at the end of it just said wow like that was really um important and good information and she's 15 years old so uh we've covered topics like how you know again back to the Back to the rape culture, we are blaming girls for wearing a crop top or short shorts. And you know, if they're sexually assaulted or raped, it's almost like, well, why are you wearing that? Women are allowed to wear whatever they want. We can express ourselves and dress however we want. And guess what? When I was raped, I was wearing hospital scrubs. And there are women, it doesn't matter what you're wearing, that has absolutely nothing to do with it. And even in the schools, there's sometimes a lot of shaming with the way that girls are dressed and they can be blamed for certain things. And that's not okay. Um, We covered so many different topics about rape culture and just rape and sexual assault in general. And it was um, it was just a great interview. And
0: I remember Jenny saying uh, during the interview that, you know, after her um incident she was put in the back of a police car
1: right exactly you
0: know as if she's the uh perpetrator there and and, you know she's in the back of a police car um after such a traumatic experience there and just just we just need to change the way we approach this entire subject and you know going back to the other episodes Valerie did about rape culture and coming out of the shadows um we just need to change the way of our mindset is with this and 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 give women and men a, a safe place to mm-hmm. speak their truth without, without, without the questions and without the, the added uh, commentary on what our thoughts may be on why something happened and just listen to the truth and, and, and let it let it rise up. and um, just you know you were so open and giving with your story there and just uh, more people really need to listen to that and and, and understand and, and look at you now. And see where you are and, and how you've, how you've approached it. And, you know, and how, and and also how your bravery or your, your, your openness caused your, your aggressor to be put behind bars, you know, mm-hmm. you know, success. What is it like 4% of, of, um, you know.
1: But that's another thing that I always want to make clear. And I do talk about it is that I am, I will never say that. You know, if you were raped or sexually assaulted, you have to run down to the police station and report it. It's a very personal thing. And I didn't report my situation for a few years. And the only reason I reported it is because his face popped up on the news because he sexually assaulted a patient. And I said, you know what? Enough is enough. I have to go down to the police station and report it. And I had a lot of guilt for those two years. But my point is, I would never... um, I'm very clear with my message to women that you have to do what's best for you. And if not reporting it is what is best for you, then that's what you have to do. Um, there's, I would never in any way shame anybody for not reporting. And you know, it took me several years to report mine and I understand why women don't report. I completely get it. And you know a lot of times you don't react the way you think you would react until you're in that situation and you have to do what's best for you and you have to um take care of yourself physically mentally emotionally on every level so whatever it is that you need to do then that's what you need to do well also well also
0: so may comes around and this is actually our, our last podcast um we, can you believe our last podcast was in may
1: yeah because <laughs> i can't it was actually a busy
0: summer actually it's a very busy summer but um so this is our second podcast interview um this was a three-person interview and and it might sound a little bit echoey we're working on that folks but um you had liz and liz and carla from uh, health navigator navigators navigators <laughs> <laughs> that's,
1: <laughs> that's the me. champagne it's kicking in that's the crystal. That's
0: the, uh, um, health navigators, uh, come and, and talk about the book, Radical Remission, which meant a lot in your life. And yes. I know, uh, Radical Remission and Radical Hope. And I, I know that you took their workshop and, 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 um, understand their, their message. And if you could just really, and by the way, folks, um, for anyone dealing with any kind of a cancer diagnosis, not even cancer, episode. anything, any, any kind of a, Actually, even
1: life. if even if you don't have any diagnosis of anything, um, it's, it's just a mindset. It's really just yeah, a lifestyle, it's a and it's just a healthy way to live. Really, and
0: and, and I guess explain a little bit the the concept behind radical remission and how it came about, and 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 what the idea is um, as far as people overcoming a cancer diagnosis, I guess, in a, somewhat I mean, of a miraculous way.
1: Basically, the the idea of it is that. You know, up until, you know, a few years ago, the whole idea was, you know, people were getting cancer and sometimes they could attribute it to a gene mutation or a certain, you know, uh, let's just say acid reflux or smoking caused your lung cancer or whatever. And that does happen, but there were a lot of unexplained Things that were happening. A lot of un- really people were being diagnosed with cancer who never smoked and never drank and never had acid reflux and didn't have a gene mutation. And it was just like there's something deeper going on here. And so a lot of research was done. And, you know, what they found out was that there are so many other factors involved. It is not so black and white, it's not so cut and dry as we originally thought. And um, so there are 10 healing factors, and both books are amazing. Um, they're a little bit different, but both amazing. I would really recommend it, if anybody wants to order one book just to order both books. but <laughs> because they're different. and um so they go through the 10 healing factors and without going through all of them, but, you know, um, having a strong reason for living, um you know really uh, having a purpose in life and seeing your purpose in life and then it goes down the list of you know having a healthy diet supplements things like that um you know managing your stress but they're really that could benefit the 10 healing factors can benefit anybody at any stage of life you do not have to have a sickness or a diagnosis of anything it's really could actually prevent a sickness or a cancer diagnosis from happening if you focus on all these different healing factors. And it's
0: actually caused spontaneous remission in a number of cases, right? As far Mm -hmm. as um, people healing from cancer without any any real true medical reason.
1: Or with a combination or... Right. Um, But... You know, I think going back to the breast cancer thing with, you know, early detection and prevention, I think if people would just follow these 10 healing factors, you could probably prevent a lot of things from ever happening in the first place. And it's just a really awesome program. And I just recommend everybody to, at a minimum, order the books on Amazon because they're amazing.
0: Radical Remission and Radical Hope. Mm Mm-hmm check out the podcast. It's really awesome. So you you did another one. Um, this was the last, uh, it's pretty much the last thing you did this year, actually podcast. He was, was hustle online with Haley. And it was just basically movement is medicine, right? It's, 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 it's pretty much your mantra, right? Mm That keep moving. It's, you know, Valerie goes to dance, uh, three days after breast cancer surgery, a full mastectomy, you know, she's doing a podcast five days after, uh, Having but any type of move, movement, anything walking, of movement, and, anything,
1: and, and, anything. And with Haley, and,
0: and you discussed this uh, quite extensively with her about how how movement has helped you live a healthy lifestyle.
1: Right, so. but not even, again, just everything is connected. It's not just, I don't just dance, you know, because I love it on a soul level. It's physically healthy for me, mentally healthy for me, emotionally healthy for me. And um you know, really moving your body helps you move through life. If your body is stagnant and you're in bed or just sitting at a desk all day and you're not moving, um, it affects your whole life. Once you start moving, it doesn't matter if you're just walking. It doesn't matter if you're at the gym, yoga, dance, whatever. Everybody needs to move their body in some way. And the thing that I talk about on her podcast is that I really truly believe there's something that everybody can find that they enjoy to be physically active. It's not going to be dance for everybody. It's not going to be yoga for everybody. But there's so many things that you can do to be physically active. There's just unlimited amounts of options. So It just you, makes
0: sense. Right. You might say different.
1: dance isn't my thing. Yoga isn't my thing. But you can find- it could be walking in the park. It, You know, it could be partner dancing. It could be some kind of ballroom dancing or it could oh, be the gym. No, but I'm just saying you're it could be- be riding a bike it could be roller skating it could be rowing it could be anything there are so many things that you can do to be active um and that was really an important part of the podcast anything tennis basketball football like anything um so you know there's really it's crucial that everybody finds something they can incorporate into their everyday schedule um because again it's not just for the physical health, which is very important, but it's um, mental and emotional health as well. It's all tied in together and moving your body is super important.
0: Movement is medicine.
1: Movement is medicine. Exactly.
0: Okay. So here we are. And it was, it was kind of a busy summer for you. Um, I guess, I guess you want to talk about...
1: <laughs> kind of.
0: <laughs> okay. Let me, let me just explain a little bit here. Um Valerie, once she started dance modeling and, and and once people started seeing her, she just says yes to every photographer that comes around and she's taking she again. Well not everyone. No, not no, definitely not everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but to to find photographers that, that she vibes with, I guess. And she's over fifty photo shoots. Check out her Instagram. It, it's great stuff. But she's done all these photo shoots and from that, um, <laughs> What? Are you thinking of the dude? I know. I get that Stop. picture. I, I get that picture of my head. <laughs> Stop, she hasn't done every photo shoot. No. But um, And, and from that, she's, she's actually started... But I will um, say,
1: every photographer that I have worked with in the past year, I've had a positive experience. Yes, I it. agree with that. It's been amazing. I but have you formed, haven't
0: worked with every photographer who's asked.
1: Right. But yes. I have formed so many friendships and um, just had really amazing experiences and I have so many amazing pictures to it's document It's crazy cool, my journey people.
0: Crazy and... cool. We're, we're doing a book. A book's coming out, by the way.
1: But I've had very good experience with all the photographers that I've worked with. So thank all of you.
0: So, <laughs> yeah, they're all great. They are. They're awesome. I mean, truly. Yeah. I, I I, I've seen something special with each one.
1: Yes. You guys are awesome. Good boy.
0: Um, so that that's led to some different things in your life, right? Now Now you've, you've taken photography and, and the modeling, which... You're becoming so good at by the way. Oh my goodness. I'm so blessed that she gets to share the pictures with me and say what do you think? But you've also started events. You're you're fashion modeling now. You're in New York City. You're you're walking runway events. Um you've you've met all these different fashion people now. And and the Valerie train is rolling, folks. Mm-hmm. Here it comes. There's a Netflix series coming soon. So <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna happen.
1: I need to fly out to LA and start. Making that happen. Yeah, but anyway, it's,
0: it's, we need a plan for that though.
1: Yeah. But anyway, we need a plan for that. Um,
0: so just, I guess, talk about some of the things and some of the people you've met over the summer. And uh, what, 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 so, what do you have planned for the next year? Planned. <laughs> like we have plans. <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> what, are you, um,
0: what do you anticipate is going to happen this coming well, year?
1: I want to talk about Natasha. Yeah, you should. Because. Um, I got a call one day through Facebook Messenger and I didn't know who it was. So I didn't answer it. And then I messaged her afterwards because I was just kind of curious. And I said, did you call me by mistake? Like, was that an accident? And she messaged me back and said, no, I want to talk to you about being in my show. And I said, what show? So we wound up talking on the phone for a long time. And I just immediately connected with her and loved her just even from talking to her on the phone. and. So I, uh, Jack drove myself and my friend Paige to her event and it was life-changing um, on so many different levels. Um, the, it was
0: literally in the lobby of her apartment building. Right. It was a fashion show. But
1: every woman I met that night that was in the show had such an inspirational and empowering story. And it wasn't just... One or two of them. It was all of them. I would talk to one woman and hear her story, and then I would turn around and talk to another woman about her story. And I was just completely in awe of all of the things that they, you know, do, and just how amazing they were. I couldn't believe that I was in a room with all of these women, um you know, Natasha and the models and all of their stories. It was just, the craziest thing. Yeah, I've it, it really crazy,
0: crazy, beautiful I transformational cu- I night. I think we got home at 5 a.m. that morning.
1: I just couldn't wrap my brain around yeah. it. And I what I realized is that Natasha just has this kind of magic where she it's like a magnet. She draws people to her. Um, you know, these are not just beautiful women physically on the outside, their stories are just so amazing and Another thing I realized that night, which was very empowering for me personally, was that, you know, I started modeling when I was 40 years old and I have four kids and I went through cancer treatment. And that wasn't my first impression of the modeling industry. And I was like, this is amazing. If I can model at this age and this stage in my life and after everything I've been through, this is really awesome. And some of the women in her show were younger than me and some of them were older than me and they were. All as stunning, like everybody just really owned their individuality, and it was really a celebration of each person and who they were. And when they went out there to do their runway walks, I was stunned. I mean, after talking to them upstairs before the show, and knowing that you know, some of them um, are the same, they're moms and they have kids and they have all different types of jobs and they do all of these amazing things and then when they got out there on that runway i was just like real i i have no other word superheroes they became a superhero. they were superheroes i mean it was just it was just amazing i have no other words I, I, that night changed my life and connecting with natasha changed my life and she's absolutely amazing and we talk all I love the time natasha yes and so the golden um, diamond door. Yeah. So I, I I have met so many inspirational and amazing people um because of her. And she designed my first pair of point shoes, which yes. are just beautiful. And um be dazzled point shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Bejeweled. Yeah. More they're bejeweled just than bedazzled. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, her designs are beautiful. The point shoes she designed for me are beautiful. And She's just a beautiful person, and every person I've met because of her um, has—it's just been magical. That's all I can really say. She
0: she was right when she said the golden diamond door will open. Yeah, yeah. So it, so
1: so yeah. I worked with her, and then um, through her, I've met just so I it, I go I can go on and on all night <laughs> of the people that Some designers. I met somebody that night. Yeah. And then I was invited to other events in New York. And then I was in New York fashion week. And then I did a cosplay event. um,
0: As Wonder Woman, of course. In
1: New York fashion week. And, And the white violin. Right. So I did several things in New York fashion week, which was amazing. Um, I have done another fashion show, uh, vibe outside the box, which was really cool. I got to walk in my point shoes and I just did an event, um, this past Saturday, uh, for a designer for and she has beautiful, uh, robes and I got to wear, um, a wonder woman robe and also got to walk in my point shoes. And so now, you know, I'm planning on working with her in the future and it's just, um, it's just really evolved into something really beautiful and amazing. And I get to express myself and uh, be creative and work with other creative people. And it's amazing.
0: So here we are now, now one year in, right? Mm-hmm. What, what's coming up? What do you What do you think we're gonna do this year? <laughs> it was quite. It was quite a year this uh, September to September. Um,
1: I mean, October wow. and November are already like crazy booked with You've everything. Got like
0: uh, fashion events and events so coming things. up. You're going I mean, to Florida in November.
1: Yeah, I just have they Yeah, the next two months are crazy. And then
0: you got any more plans for any more podcasts eventually? I guess or
1: well, yeah, that's like a huge what thing. the heck.
0: There's too much.
1: I know. Well, that's the thing. I have met so many amazing people. I mean, really, in the past year, but specifically in the past couple of months, that I really want to interview on my show, and I want to make more time to. Okay.
0: Let's make that. Let's make get, that a New Year's resolution. Try
1: to get a couple episodes yeah. out there. <laughs> like I think this if, might be
0: a couple. What we're even doing. Even if now. it's just
1: two a month, I just have so One, many. No,
0: no, no. One a month is fine. This is episode number no, 12. No, there's
1: too many people.
0: Yeah, but you're so busy.
1: I don't care. It doesn't take that long. There's too many people that are right, We I gotta have get to that get remote there.
0: interview thing figured out then.
1: I have so many people that I need okay. to interview that I have met. I mean, their stories You're great at interviews. Their stories need to get out there. Yes. And then even when I went to a photo shoot, um, it was um, I don't know what it was called, but it was in Cinnaminson, and I talked to all the younger models there. And oh, that was the uh, the
0: pink furry one you went to.
1: Talking about like different life things, well, and that I was like,
0: "That's got a name for that studio."
1: I was like, "I really want all of you guys on my podcast," <laughs> but like also. In <laughs> oh, that's when you did the
0: photo shoot for the podcast.
1: Yeah, but okay. there's just I, the list is endless at this point. How many people I want to get their stories out there on the podcast? So I need to like really start doing this.
0: so that's what we're about folks dancing in the rain with valerie one year in look at her shine (laughs) this is going to be cool i can't wait to see what happens next
1: it was actually really interesting because the girls and i were hiking with Paige earlier and then as we were walking back um it started to rain and i was like oh my god it's the one year anniversary
0: dancing in the rain so you were hiking in the rain
1: well, no, we were done hiking. So I'm like, <laughs> everybody just start dancing.
0: <laughs> so Okay. Stay tuned.
1: Um, thank you for listening. And um, I always love when people want to reach out. If you are interested in sharing your story on my podcast, I would love to hear your story. It doesn't matter what it's about. I am just all about, you know, Everybody has a story and everybody um, has something they can share with the world. So if you have something that you want to share, reach out to me and let me know and I would love to hear it.